This is Digging in the Dirt with Kevin Gallagher, where Kevin and his guests dig a little deeper into today's issues surrounding the environment, farming, gardening, and food. My guest today is a highly successful insurance agent, Maureen Gallagher. Maureen Gallagher is the Risk Management Group Agency President. Gallagher specializes in insurance placement, risk management, consulting, and expert opinions. She began her career almost 50 years ago and has held the titles of insurance underwriter, broker, claims consultant, expert, witness, keynote speaker, historian, and teacher. She has been featured and profiled in numerous publications and was named by Crane's Detroit Business as one of the best and brightest and as one of Detroit's most influential women. Risk and Insurance recognized Gallagher as a workers' compensation and 2020 at-large power broker, which identifies the best brokers in the country. And a full disclosure, Maureen is my sister. Hey, welcome, Maureen. How's my niece, Tara, and your grandchildren doing? <laughs> Everybody's wonderful. We're looking forward to the family wedding coming up this week. Yeah, absolutely. We'll catch up at the wedding this coming weekend. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. So, Maureen, we have hurricanes, we have heat waves, we have earthquakes, we have tornadoes, flooding worse than ever. Today's headlines are awash in extreme weather, and whether you blame climate change or still believe it's just plain bad luck, the simple truth is that the damage from these disasters is impossible to ignore. And after Ian struck Fort Myers, Florida, it became apparent to me that this is a huge issue. So homeowners, and especially homeowners living on the coast, you should listen up. We're going to try and get some good insight and information on what's going on from Maureen. First off, Maureen, what's the point of view of the insurance industry on climate change? Well, there's no question that the insurance industry thinks this is a significant problem. They uh, surveyed um, the insurance companies and 95% of insurance companies consider climate change to be like the number one issue we have going forward, particularly um, affecting their bottom lines from a profitability standpoint. So they're believers. I guess because in 2021, we had 20 over $1 billion storms. And in 2022, Ian became the 15th billion dollar storm uh, for 2022. I mean, I guess that would could make you believers. Yeah, it's been shocking. Uh, I've been doing this a long time. There's no question we've had major events in the past. What's different today is the fact that we're having way more of them. They're much more serious. And um, you know the frequency and the geographic spread of these events is just unprecedented. You know where we're seeing tornadoes and hail damage and flooding uh, are, are not in the typical areas that 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 we've seen them. You know, at, at Point uh, Nashville, all in X, which is a low hazard flood zone. The entire town, you might have read about the opera flooding out. Very few people had flood because they didn't think they needed it. But it wasn't a flood in the traditional sense where you had overflow of a river. It was a flash flood that dumped, you know, tons of water. I know my client had 12 feet of water in their place. They were in an X zone, the lowest hazard you can be in flood. So we're seeing things in places we've never seen them before. So how is this affecting the uh, coverage that the industry is considering now? Well, you have two things going on. Uh, wait, there's two marketplaces in insurance. There's called the admitted marketplace where insurance carriers have to file with the state what they can charge. And you have the non-admitted marketplace, which allows insurance companies flexibility to write more difficult accounts uh, any way they want with exclusions and pricing and such. 
So in the admitted market, which most homeowners are written in or used to be, um, states are trying to force insurance companies to provide coverage and so, or in certain pricing, freezing pricing and such. So the insurance company's response to that is just withdraw from the area because they're not gonna write something they can't make money on. Uh, point in case in Florida, you can't write a homeowners in the, in the admitted market without running wind coverage. Well, there's not many companies that want to do that. So you, you have these marketplaces that have developed where there's being a shift to the difficult um, place business in the, in the not admitted marketplace and the prices are much higher, the deductibles are much higher and the coverage is skimpier. So that's what we see happening. And then you see people who have homes and, you know, double wides and stuff like that, not even getting insurance. They just let it last because they think they're going to be okay. And I, th I saw 40% of the homeowners in the area that were just recently affected in Fort Myers didn't have insurance. Correct. That happens a lot that people just don't insure their home at all. And they figure, you know, they'll just roll the dice. Um, they feel, and, and sometimes it's not even that the coverage is that expensive. They just don't even want to pay the two or $300 a year for flood insurance. They just don't want to do it. Um, wind is a different problem in Florida. And I would say most manufactured housing communities, the homes there, the trailer parks, they, it's almost impossible for them to find wind coverage. So it's not that they don't want to, it's just not available for them. And the government doesn't step in and provide it? Well, there is a wind pool in Florida, which is basically funded by taxpayers, which is difficult because they've had one event after another. And how much money can you possibly put in there and subsidize for people? Hmm. So that seems to be the problem, right? The, that there is like low premiums because the government's subsidizing it, but the taxpayer is paying the brunt of it on the other end. Yeah, that's particularly true with the government flood policies that are issued through the National Flood um, Insurance Program. That's been around since 1968, and it's never made any money. It owes the Treasury $20 billion right now. That is after they forgave $16 billion because they couldn't pay enough claims during the two hurricanes because the cap on borrowing is $30 billion. And that's going to go right back after um, Ian. It's going to be a problem again. It's it's an unending <laughs> problem that we have with NFIP. So the, there there doesn't seem to be a lot of will um, to start another program to subsidize uh, more in, in insurance where private insurance carriers are are not writing it. We already have a significant problem with flood. And the and the, um, the politicians are reluctant to do it because their constituency is putting pressure on them not to raise it, right? Because they they right. just they don't want these higher rates. Yes, I I you know it's almost been laughable watching this over the last twenty years where there's a lot of chest pounding and we got to raise it and they got to be paying their fair share and then they'll put forth you know FEMA will come out and say well this is what we need to do and we can step it up and all. And so they, they have a date to implement it. Everybody screamed, you know, their constituents, their family, their friend calling them, and they back off. And that's been happening a lot. Now, they did recently make a change in here, but even that change got softened after the, the backlash. Uh, everybody still wants these cheap government policies, um, you know, that's the bottom line. And, and it just becomes more and more debt for the U.S. government. Exactly. Huh. More and more debt. 
Uh, 40% of the population of America lives in coastal and barrier reefs. And so you've always had states without this problem subsidizing states that have this issue. And it's even worse than that because as you mentioned, so many are not insured that when we have a disaster like this, FEMA actually runs NFIP, the flood program. So you have the insured ones, which we never have enough money for because we can't collect enough premium for them. And then you have all the people who weren't insured where Congress then gives them billions of dollars and we do bailouts on top of that. So it's a significant taxpayer issue moving forward. Hmm. And, and it will come to a crisis level, right? I think it's already there personally. Hmm. So what are they going to do about it? I mean, you told me about a client of yours, maybe, or maybe you know of this guy mm -hmm. who pays very minimal insurance every year, but he's already put in over a million dollars in claims from multiple extreme weather events. Right. <laughs> he's been through six different storms in Houston, $1,224,000 in payments from FEMA, and he pays a paltry couple thousand dollars for premium and an NFIP can't turn you away. So hmm. they, he just buys it again and, you know, gets his house, re, you know, rebuilt. <laughs> That's it's crazy. Nuts. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, what, what what's the solution? What I, I mean, if you if I could make you in charge, what would you do? Well, we have to change behavior and we change behavior by building sustainably in in the area. And if that means elevating homes because of floodplains, if that means putting in retaining walls, if that means just flat out not building in certain areas that are just you know, bound to have problems, we need to start doing that. If we don't do that, what's gonna happen is the insurance industry is not gonna come in and rescue you because the insurance industry is a, a for-profit industry. So they love the government program because they can write private flood with huge deductibles use NFIP policies to plug those deductibles or the client does. And, you know, they can stay out of the, um, the burn layer on, on these losses. So they're not going to step up unless these places are start being built where we can start mitigating or preventing uh, when a weather does come through. And it's been proven that it, it can be done. Look at that town just 12 miles, just north of Fort uh, Myers, which was in the direct path of the hurricane. And they basically have no damage because they built it to withstand hurricanes. Right. It's one of those sponge towns and they put all the wires underground and they have solar and it's, you know, and they direct the water in the right way. Yeah, you're right. Right. So it, it can be done. It's just the developers have a big voice. They, you know, they want to encourage development. And so that continues to go on. And it's not like these are going to, we're going to keep getting these billion dollar claims, but I think that we could have a $250 billion uh, hurricane because, you know, we have what, $3 trillion worth of property in some of the riskiest places in America. Mm. We're going to have that kind of damage at some point. It's already not sustainable, but that could be you know, the camel that breaks the back. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I think that if it's not one big storm, it could be like two rapidly following mm -hmm. each other, you know, right. and I think that's something we haven't seen yet and could possibly happen. I mean, the last hurricane that hit Long Island was like 1912 or something, mm -hmm. and it leveled everything. Although Sandy wasn't an official hurricane, the Sandy storm was still $72 billion, and right. New York and New Jersey got hit significantly there. 
Yeah, yeah. I was telling you that Isis, my wife, she has a, a, a client who put her house up 11 feet and she got 12 feet of water. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh man, want to make you cry, right? Right. We're right. talking to Maureen Gallagher. She's from Risk Management Group Agency, and she's the president of that. And she knows a lot about insurance. That's why I brought her here. You told me that insurance companies, you know, basically, like you said, they're in, in this for profit. And, you know, they're, they're insuring you and hoping that nothing happens, but seems like a lot of things are happening. So they have a lot of liabilities, right, on their balance sheets mm -hmm. from payouts, right? And, uh, well, how bad is it? And what's going to happen in this regard, you know, and, and you and could you get into the liability and how they try to hedge that? Well, insurance companies will buy what we call reinsurance and uh, to uh, cap their liabilities that, that they're bringing on the books. And the reinsurers have gotten hit pretty um, badly in the last few years. Some of that had to do with undervaluing. You know, we have inflation, um, the supply chains, cost of goods. So a building that they were insuring for 10 million and the um, reinsurers thought they were gonna attach at, you know, 15 million in the whole portfolio. And instead they have a $20 million claim and now the reinsurers on $10 million they weren't expecting. Um, so they are now um, getting into the situation where they're raising rates on top of the rates we've already seen from the frontline carriers that reinsure. So that's going to be a significant problem going into 2023. There's something we call capacity in our business, and that is the willingness of insurance company to put up limits in a certain area. They all have a certain amount of capacity. Well, capacity right now is very... Um, difficult to find and scarce for Florida, anything south of I-10 and Mississippi, Louisiana, uh, wildfire areas. So that's, um, that's going to be an issue. I spend a lot of time begging, uh, looking for capacity where I used to be able to get someone to put up 50 million in limits. Now I'm buying 2 million in limits for the same premium they paid for 50 million. And I have to build it up to 50 million. Hmm. So that, that's going to be an issue. Less and less carriers are willing to write in these difficult areas, that, that's an issue. When I ask our folks in personal lines, you know, what's their biggest need right now? They all say more insurance carriers, more capacity. We can't find insurance for our, our clients. So that's a significant thing that's, that's uh, gonna continue. And that's because it's too risky. Right, too huh. risky. Hmm. They, so you, they just, they, you know, they just can't take on a 50, you know, million dollar loss, they might be willing to take on 2 million. And so where I would have a portfolio, where I used to insure it with three companies, now I might share it with 35 companies that hmm. share the risk. I see. And so you're saying, is it I-110 or I-10, there's nothing going to be insured below I -10 that? I-10 south, south of that is very difficult to insure. I'm finding insurance. It's just 10 times the cost it was a year ago. Oh, and, and is that because the insurance companies, actuarians and all their experts are looking at that whole coastal area and saying, wow, this is inevitable and this is just stupid insurance? Mm -hmm. Well, of course. I, I, I mean, the, the client I was looking for coverage had $26 million in claims in the last two years. Oh, man. Yeah. So that's really changing the insurance industry. Yes. And, and, it's, and it's trickling into homeowners as well. I mean, you used to always have one company that wrote your homeowners. It's not uncommon now to have three or four companies participating on your homeowner's insurance on a Florida placement or in difficult areas. So it's even, it's even um, trickling into homeowners as well. 
So what's your thoughts about somebody who lives, let's say, on the coastal of coast of Long Island, and we got hit hard, Sandy in Long Beach there, and us also, we have Fairfield Beach, we have Connecticut has a huge coastal line, and there's also rivers, you know, that can overflow from like these, uh, what they call sky rivers, you know, this heavy, heavy, heavy rain. What, what do you want to convey to my listeners who are people who live along rivers and streams and, and coastal areas about what they should be looking at when they go to insure their stuff and what and what they're looking at if they look over their insurance policy? Well, I think there's two things. And one I'm going to talk about is the mitigation. Um, do they really understand what their risk is? If they have a good insurance agent, they'll be able to help them with things like what is their floodplain? Can you make a difference on that floodplain by doing something on your property? For instance, building a retaining wall or cha changing the drainage in, in your property. That impresses insurance companies. The, um, and so I think mitigation is important to understand you know, what's going on. Do you even have a sump pump? You know, there's so many people only having a sump pump and that, that's a critical thing to get the water out you know, before it gets too bad. Mm -hmm. And I think when it comes to insurance, I just don't know how you don't buy a government-funded NFIP policy. Now, I recognize today that might cost you $1,200 a year, but it's going to be a lifesaver for you if and when that flood comes. And it could be a flash flood that dumps 8 or 10 or 12 feet of water all at once um, that happened in Nashville and recently in Kentucky, or it could be an overflow. But you want to have flood insurance you're more likely to have a flood than you are a fire in the life of owning your home. So I, I think it's critical that you look at your budget and if there's any way you can afford an NFIP policy, you should buy one. And that's anybody, even if you yes. feel like you're up on a hill. Yes, if you're, if you're well, let, that, that, that's a great question. Let's talk about what's water and what's flood. Okay, yeah. In a, home, in a homeowner's policy, Water coverage would be your dishwasher busting and, and your hot water heater exploding. Frozen pipe pipes. Bursting. Yes, it's all like escape of water is what they call it. Mm -hmm. um, flood is, uh, oh, we have one other before we get to flood. Backup of sewer and drains is not water and it's not flood in homeowners. It's a separate coverage grant. Most insurance companies will write backup of sewer and overflow of drains coverage for you. It'll be a lower limit, might only be 100,000 or 250, but typically, um, you know, you can get that coverage from your homeowners. Hmm. Flood coverage, most homeowners do not like to write. There are a few that do, and they're gonna be in the low hazard area. They want you to go and get that from NFIP or, or a private carrier that's willing to write NFIP equivalent coverage. Flood is going to be things like water coming through your windows, seeping through um, wa um, walls. People often say, well, I'm on the second story. I, I won't get a flood. Well, not necessarily, because what we consider flood is different from what you might consider it and what it is. And that's going to cover your, you know, your streams and your flash floods and water seeping through windows and, and getting it from all other different ways. So there's really three things. Water comes with the policy and the premium. Ask them for backup of sewer um, and overflow of drains and um, ask them for, uh, you know, will they write flood and what would that cost? And if you don't like the price, then go and see what NFIP would charge you for it. Mm, shop around. Yeah. Hmm. So you mentioned mitigation. 
what, what is should be the looking at you know especially i mean there's a couple of websites i saw that tell you that you're very low for fire you know uh, problems you're very mm -hmm. low for uh tornado problems but they'll and they'll tell you you're very high for flooding like the the eastern end of long island is very high for flooding Mm -hmm. and they don't flood very often so mm -hmm. w w is there something that they can find out from the insurance company of how they could get insurance or how they could mitigate what the their risk is so that they have lower insurance or it is that's not possible well no it, that's a great question um i the risk hazards is what we call all of those that you were just talking about and you should understand what your risk hazard is and um, the, in the era of big data, it's readily available out there that you can find that. Now, we as an agency, we provide that for our customers automatically. We can tell them their water, their, their flood, fire, you name it. We, we can give them all of that information. And then when you find the one that's really high, that's the one the carriers are going to focus on. They might not write you coverage or it might have a very high deductible and low limits. Uh, so there could be a lot of things. So anything you can provide them that shows what you've done to that property or to your um, to your home to mitigate that will help the insurance company feel comfortable in writing that risk and pricing it more competitively. Mm -hmm. I, we put in all our gutters run down into a dry well in our property uh, that goes about eight, nine feet below the ground. And so we never see flooding at all. We used to have water pooling in the backyard. And that's why when we put in a patio, we put the dry well in. And it's really, it was, I'm really pleased that we did it because it's it works. Yeah. And we did the same thing in our, our Michigan home. Uh, we put a sump pump in, uh, mm -hmm. a much more powerful one. They had one in there was that was too puny and wasn't really working. And that solved all the water problems around our house. So that those kind of things, the insurance company likes to hear you're willing to, you know, do the kinds of things that make sense. In Florida, you're going to get credits if you have what we call impact resistant windows or or the slang for that is hurricane windows. You're going to get somebody more to look at your, if you can tell them I've got the special roofing that has those tie downs where my I'm less likely to have significant roof damage in a high wind. It can, you know, withstand a hundred mile an hour winds. Those are the things that the carriers want to see um, to write your risk. So, you know, unfortunately, we tend to look at, oh, I want a new kitchen and I want this and I want that, which are those kind of beauty things in a house. But the guts of your home and how it's going to withstand a loss is going to save you money in the long haul. And, and you're going to have more affordable insurance if you can do those things. Yeah. And getting shutters, for instance, on your windows, is that another thing that they consider? Yeah. And, you know, we've always had that be kind of a Florida thing or, you know, um, down in the south of Louisiana and in the Gulf um, side. But we now are starting to see that also in other coastal towns where they're doing that. Um, I haven't seen states uh, mandate hurricane windows in Florida. You cannot rebuild or replace your windows. They have to be impact resistant windows. You can no longer do that. And, you know, it's amazing when a building stands or a house stands to a hurricane, typically the windows are in great shape because they're, you know, impact resistant. Right, right. So even though you don't like the National Flood Insurance Program, you think it's abused and it's in bankrupt or it's way over leveraged, you still think that if somebody's considering flood insurance, they if they can't get it at a reasonable rate, you, you should go look at the NFIP. Yes, I would ride that horse as long as I could. Uh, I would tell you that you're not going to get 
coverage if you're in a high risk, which is going to be an A or AE. They're all listed out there. It just won't be available from private insurance. So, so the you're... only alternative will be the NFIP. Mm -hmm. And you're so you, all of us are categorized as to risk. So A, yes. you said A, A. Can you just run mm -hmm. those down really quick? Do you know them? Yeah, you can actually just oh, oh there's there's tons of them. You can actually Google um, flood zones, and it'll give you a description of every single one out right. there. If you're in X, there's a, a even if you bought it from NFIP, it's going to be pretty uh, cheap because uh, you're an X. Uh, so I still recommend you get it for flash floods and other kind of flooding things that can happen but it's still an important coverage to have. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, you're just not gonna have anybody write you if you're an AE, it's just not what homeowners want to do. They didn't design their products for handling these type of flood situations. Mm -hmm. If you are in an X, there is a chance your homeowner carrier will in fact write that for you as well. Mm -hmm. It should also be noted that the government doesn't manage anything on these policies. They're all managed by the private insurance companies who sign up with FEMA and they sell these policies for a fee for the government. So they're getting paid. On top of that, they're paying agents like me 10 or 15% commission to distribute the products to your clients. And then they get paid to handle the claims, the insurance companies. You know, to me, we could even streamline that and save 20 or 30% of the premium of NFIP if they cut out the insurance companies, cut out agents, and just we bought them direct from NFIP. But that's just me. So <laughs> what's your thoughts on Americans someday not being able to get insurance if they're in these high-risk areas? They're just not going to be able to get it. I don't care, NFIP or insurance companies or pools. And that maybe that stuff won't be available. Is, do you think that's a, it might be the case? I do. I think we're heading that way. Uh, there is already communities that have decided that there's certain sections they just can't rebuild on. And they've bought out the homeowners that were there and they've had to relocate because they said, we're never mm -hmm. going to be able to build here where it makes any sense. Uh, I think we are heading there. I've, I, you always think you've seen the worst and then it keeps getting <laughs> worse. <laughs> there's not another word. There's not another word for it. I've, it's, it's uh, I've been doing depressing. this a long time, so I've I've had this opportunity to watch over the last fifty years floods become something that we rarely talked about to them being our most significant claim we have right now. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, hail was always limited to you know in tornadoes, so Oklahoma, the central states, and all. I mean, you're having 45 tornadoes in Minnesota every year. It's hail. Is, we actually have a hail alley, we call it, yeah. know, where the hail comes across the country. And I don't know whether I'd rather live in the hail alley or the tornado alley. I, I, I'll pick neither. I'll stay in the Northeast. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, so, it's, pretty, it's pretty crazy, you know. Yeah. But So, yeah, I, I don't see how there can't be, you know, uh, one last thing that we talked about, Kevin, and that was the insurance company and how how they might be able to start influencing this. You know, insurance companies have the capital, the knowledge, and the motivation to address you know climate change. They're paying the claims, and they they have trillions of dollars in assets that they invest in global capital markets. In fact, they account for a fifth of all global capital investments. And they were starting to 
think closely about where they're placing their bets now. You know, some of these insurance companies are phasing out stocks and coal companies. They're um, declining to offer protection to fossil fuel projects, you know, in hoping that some of these moves start influencing other investors to follow suit. They know this is not sustainable, what's going on. And I think they're looking very closely, again, at mitigation efforts. You know, how can we help our policy, rather than being, we, we, you risk transfer it to us and we pay your claims, they, they have to change their model to how do we incent our customers um, by through rebates to use more resilient construction materials or properly elevate their, their home or their buildings you know, to prevent flood damage. You know, focusing more on risk engineering, managing and avoiding risk rather than transfer it to me, I pay all your claims. And we just keep going on in this, in this craziness. Mm-hmm. And that's never going to be a solution. But they're in a great position to influence this insurance companies. They can just say no. In fact, I think the NFIP flood program has only delayed the inevitable because insurance companies would not have provided this coverage a long time ago and something would have had to been done in our building and what we're doing in order for people to get insured. But by having that government program, it's kind of delayed the inevitable here. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the alternative is if we don't do these prohibitive measures, it's going to be federal state government steps in and provides subsidized policies similar to NFIP. And that solves nothing, as we talked about. It just postpones what's going to become an unsustainable and costly problem. Yeah. And like you said, it could be an overwhelming disaster, maybe a trillion dollar disaster. They can't even pay it, you know, it could be something like that occurs. And then we're all in a big fat mess. And if the planet continues to warm and they don't become proactive, then you're going to see coastal islands. You're going to see whole states start disappearing in certain areas. Mm -hmm. So, well, the insurance company, by limiting their capacity, you know, and giving out just a little bit, that's exactly what they're afraid of, that gigantic loss. I mean, look what happened to AIG. It wasn't on climate change, but they had one small dinky division that literally bankrupt their entire company and the government had to come in and bail them out. And that's what these insurance companies are afraid of. You know, if we put up too much capacity in one area and we get completely wiped out, we literally could be looking. I mean, Florida already has a record number of bankruptcies of insurance companies. Sure. That's what they're worried about. They had a bunch just over this one. So, you know, I read that 52% of American homeowners took never took natural disasters into account when they were choosing a location of their current, current home. That's pretty wild, isn't it? I mean, right. besides mitigation, you got to figure out location, location, location. You want to be on the coastline where you can get hammered or do you want to be a little further in and you want to be in a community that does it right, like the one that was down in Fort Myers that survived. Yeah. And, and, you know, I will say that I have had a lot of clients, of course, this is on the commercial side, but I've had a lot of clients that have addressed some of this. I mean, after Sandy Storm, I had a manufactured housing community there that literally moved out all the homes, dug up the roads, all of their stuff, lifted the land up eight feet in accordance with FEMA in New York. And, and then they're putting everybody back in, but they have a retaining wall. They have a very good chance of withstanding pretty much anything that happens going forward. But they decided to make the investment because it's a beautiful area. People still want to live there. But how do we get them to live there safely and, and not have another $8 million claim when a storm comes through? Mm-hmm. So they just, they got their investors to pony up and they changed the dynamics of their insurance risk now. 
Well, we've been talking to Maureen Gallagher of Risk Management Group Agency. She's the president. I'd like to thank you for coming on Digging in the Dirt and helping us sort through this issue. It's nice to be able to reach into the family and get solid advice from such an expert as yourself. Thanks a lot. All righty. Thank you. Thanks for coming. You've been listening to Digging in the Dirt with Kevin Gallagher. 